0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. Yeah, I mean, he's the best player in the world. Um, I don't think it's really a question at the moment, to be completely honest with you. Hockey's a funny sport. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. And right now, uh, they're going in for me. Well, that is an understatement, obviously. That was the first the voice of Cale McCarr, who became last night the leading uh, scoring defenseman in the history of the Colorado Avalanche, talking about Nathan McKinnon, who is the leading scorer in the NHL as we speak, after four goals last night, a natural hat trick, a five-point night, up to uh, 82. Maybe before
1: going yeah, explain to those who may not know what a natural natural
0: hat trick, hat trick is. right so a hat trick as i assume most of you know obviously is three goals in a game the natural okay. hattie is you get it all in a period right and so with nathan mckinnon obviously in that uh second frame and three and right yeah and three in a row so i mean that's uh about as immaculate as they can't I do even know if there's a term for that one scoring your team's three straight goals but uh the avalanche We're the beneficiaries of that from Nathan McKinnon last night who just continues to have his way with the league. I mean, you're talking about a guy that now leads the league in in scoring by a couple of points over Kucherov, who broke Joe Sackick's record for the most consecutive games to start a season with points at home. The only person now in front of him, we're talking about Wayne Gretzky at this stage with, with 40 that may be akin to Demajo's
1: 56-game streak I feel like it That might be a little bit out of reach, but it is the
0: Avalanche record. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, that's what you're talking about here. The, by the Going way, back you, to the Nordique days. Nordiques, and if you are talking about the natural hat trick, the three in a period alone, yep. it's only happened twice for the Avalanche. That's it. Joe Sakic Sake in it. 2003. Yeah, That's that. the last time. So, I mean, you're talking about an immense gaps and I, and i mean it's been pretty remarkable I, at least it, you know it's unlikely enough as a, nathan mckinnon himself called it inappropriate but um the with all of the hats and then after uh, the 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 final goal of course uh for his evening which would be the you know the fourth that he had in this game um uh, an industrious Avs fan I was trying to invent a new term for it as a uh, brazier and a thong ended up on the ice. McKinnon <laughs> was uh, asked about its uh, inappropriate, so now we're getting yeah. the Mick Jagger treatment apparently yeah. as a hockey player. So uh, things are going real good. He's he yeah. a rock star.
1: He is a hockey rock star, whether he wants to embrace that or not. And he seems as reluctant to embrace superstardom as uh, his uh, associate at Ball Arena, Nikola Jokic, is. Um, but four goals, five points, Re- five points, actually, this time. He, yeah. he had one yeah. none kind of had taken, taken away from the, him but uh, none on taken Saturday away this in Philadelphia. Nope. It, last night, he really had five points. So did Ratnan, and yeah. McCarr had three, including a shorthanded goal at the tail end of the first period, final minute of the first period, when it was a scoreless game at that point, no goals and McCarr scores shorthanded to make a 1-0, and McKinnon pours it on in the second. The Avalanche end up winning 6-2. And uh, remarkably, if you take McKinnon, Rantanen, and McCarr, uh, maybe the best setter in the world, the best winger in the world, and the best defenseman in the world, they combined last night for 13 points,
0: just among the three of them. Miko Randon was asked after the game, about the old the old uh, sports Rushmore idea, right? The best four players. And uh, Brandon's answer was he's up there with Joe for sure and with Forsberg. With the Stanley Cup, we won. That helps his case start to be in that conversation. Lost in the shuffle, as you pointed out, was McCar becoming the leading scorer among defensemen in the history yeah, of Yeah, it did get lost in the shuffle. Uh, folks, you're going to have to have a, Extra head on Mount Rushmore because I don't know what you do with Joe Sackett, Peter Forsberg, Patrick Wah, Kale McCarr, and Nathan McKinnon. That's five right there. Yeah, I need a fifth head. <laughs> so, I mean. I don't I know. I need what a to fifth do. head for this team. Uh, and, and I mean, it's it's as straightforward as that at this point. And so it really has been pretty remarkable. And and McKinnon talked about hearing the MVP chance pointing out he's never won it before. Uh, I think to be totally honest, I think he is aware of that, and, and I think it, he I may think deny it. it may but I think it matters to him a little, him bit. A little
1: more. Uh, Jokic doesn't care yet, yeah, but Jokic also has, has two, two, and he has a Finals MVP. Um, and NHL's and, and a little different; their award is for the entire playoffs. The NBA award is just for the finals, right? And, and not for anything else, right? And it consummates this for the entire right. playoffs. And
0: now, uh, very rarely team. does it not go to a player on a team that won the finals, but correct. But yes, correct. It is about the entire, although there round. was one year where Forsberg,
1: even though the ads went out before the Stanley Cup final led the NHL in playoff point production. Live or not. Yeah. He had 27, something like that. And even though he didn't play while others did in the Stanley Cup final, nobody could catch him. It was one of those years the Avalanche lost in the conference final. Which happened more often than Diaz would like to remember. Although I think winning two Stanley Cups with an imperative, what six years? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially after relocating. <laughs> it, it's too. not a. It's not quite a dynasty, but that it. It's more than just. Well, we got lucky once. Well,
0: and you had a, a team that you could have argued at that same time was also a dynasty that would have been if not for the other guys in the Detroit Red Wings. True. who won a couple of cups True. during that span and, as well. And
1: actually, I think there were four teams during that period, including New Jersey mm-hmm. and Dallas, yes. along with Correct. Detroit and the Avs. Detroit and the Avs, though, was prominent because the rivalry was so heated. But uh, you could put from 95, 96, well, let's say 94, 95, and, and New Jersey won the cup, upsetting Detroit, right? Right. Uh, New Jersey with Claude Lemieux at that point. And then Claude Lemieux comes to the Avalanche and they won a Stanley Cup right away um if you take 9495 through 0102 I think those were the only four teams who won Stanley Cups during that period and hockey's pretty balanced as you know it's right. hard, it's hard forget about one team dominating two three even four to be set apart from all of the rest, yeah, it was uh, just is extraordinary. So some juggernaut all, all teams. could make arguments. New Jersey, Dallas, Detroit, and and the Avs during that period. My sense of it is that Detroit might have had a slight edge. If you extend, it I, out I would agree. I To agree the 0102 uh, cup, yes, uh, that was the last uh, cup won by uh, the great Scotty Bowman, who's up there talking about Mount Rushmore among. Coaches right. in any sport on just about any level, Scotty Bowman's got to be one of the four Mount Rushmore figures in the history of coaching in major professional sports in North America. But uh, the, this was you—you uh, you put it well before we got started. The Avalanche went crazy last night. I mean, that—that's as good an offensive game as I've seen them play. And um, I, I didn't watch the entire game, but I listened to uh, Connor's play-by-play uh, play right. on radio to a great extent and connor did a great descriptive uh enthusiastic obviously <laughs> with all of uh, the mckinnon stuff going on uh, he did a great job of describing a- and bringing the emotion uh through the radio you could feel it you, you really could and uh what a night you know leckin comes back and he's a plus one and Byram comes back and plays almost 19 and a half minutes. A good time was had by all
0: yeah. at the old rink last year. That's, uh, that's the way, that's very much the way to put it. You know, uh, yeah, Arturi and returns 16 minutes uh, on the ice. Byron gets I 19 he minutes, more, yeah. than, more than I thought he uh, played. And too. a lot
1: more than his linemates played.
0: And, uh, again, it's, it, it's you know, 6-2. You talked about the point totals, but, again, with McKinnon's monumental night, second four-goal game of the year, Mind you, <laughs> isn't that sad too? Ridiculous. It wasn't the
1: first four goal game yeah. he's had this year. Uh, you know, some guys would be absolutely thrilled out of their minds if they had two four goal games in a, in a career. career. Right? He's had them this th- season, this season alone, and he may not be done. No, I mean the season's just barely over, halfway over, fifty-eight and a half percent done. Right? I mean, there's still more than forty percent of the schedule remaining to be played. He could do it a
0: third time, wouldn't put it past. Him. No, and it's, especially when you have a Makar and a Rantanen as well, a Rantanen, as you pointed out, five points of his own, four assists last night and a goal of his own. Rantanen now. That
1: was in a, a kind of, oh, by the way.
0: Right. Especially oh, on the, the two-on-one. Oh,
1: by the way, Rantanen has three assists now, and he ended up, of course, with five and he had a fourth assist and scored a goal.
0: Five points on the night, though, m- brings Miko Rantanen among the NHL scoring leaders, of which he was already in the top ten. Yeah, that rockets him to four. The Avalanche have the top scorer in the league, and the fourth leading scorer in the league, Right. and the number twelve leading right. scorer in the league in the league, not in the league, among the defenses. entire, not like, the conference, this not is, the, this whole is the whole league. league. Yeah. McKinnon, and, and we've been Trussov, saying, Pasternak, Rantanen, Miller, Panarin, Nylander, yeah. Pedersen, Reinhardt, McDavid, Hughes, McCar. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we, and we've been saying, you know,
0: mccar has been
1: fine, but McCarr hasn't been sensational this year. Last night he was sensational. And it got lost, overshadowed by McKinnon's brilliant performance
0: and perhaps even a little bit by Rantanen's, but... McCarr got it going with a shorthanded goal. Yeah, And if you do, on, and on top of that, if you look at just the unselfishness alone and you just look at assists in the league, McKinnon is first, McCarr is fourth, and Rantanen is eighth. Yeah. I mean,
1: that, three top ten playmakers. Three top eight.
0: <laughs> three yeah, top
1: well, eight. Three top eight. I mean, that's exact, ridiculous. In three in the top ten would yeah. be uh, quite special. And, you know, I went back just for perspective. Uh, McKinnon scored his 30th goal. Last night right. that was the, the, the fourth goal he scored was number 34, uh, the year, uh, going back to seventeen eighteen. get a load of these goal scoring totals. Forget about the assists and points 38, 41, 35. Well, 20 in a shortened season with a pandemic 32, the following season, which was also an abbreviated schedule. And then, uh, I'm sorry, 1920 was 35 and it did, And that was when the pandemic hit. And shorten short in the year and twenty of course was the weird league where uh, season where the entire league the divisions were mixed up and the, right you know and you only played games in your round own division. robin to get into yeah yeah, yeah, right, yeah right and all that stuff uh, but thirty two in the Stanley Cup year forty two last year although he was hampered by injuries and this year he's played every game and he's got thirty
0: in forty eight
1: outside chance at fifty especially if it throws in another four goal game or two. Yeah. he's got an outside chance at 50 goals
0: absolutely and uh it, and he's already got 52 assists right 52 assists I mean it, it is it's a, a becoming a little silly when you look at what mcKinnon is is just doing to the league right now Al- almost in many ways you hesitate to say it will it's not at it will the other guys get paid and they're trying their best to stop him but there there is almost a, an error of inevitability With McKinnon in in the the feeling that when you're playing against the avalanche, you're like, well, McKinnon's going to get his. Let's try not to let the other guy. So the way you used to think about Michael Jordan or Steph Curry or whatever, you're like, well, we're not going to really stop him. Let's see if we can keep the other guys from going Sometimes I think uh, in in hockey, you know,
1: quite frequently I think this, that who scores the goals matters. And – the nature of the goals can be inspirational, can lift a team. And there is rarely a goal that McKinnon scores where you're saying, I just got lucky it hit him in the rear end and bounced in. And It's not it's often. kind of a garbage
0: goal. Which is, that, which is funny because the great goal scorers get those, too. Well, sure. But you, you make a little puck luck. His goals, a, ve- a very high percentage
1: of his goals – are of the spectacular variety, you're saying, how did he do that? How did he find such a narrow space to fit a shot through? And you're just standing almost or sitting, awestruck by the way he scores. And I think that lifts a team. Not just that he scores a lot, but the way he scores. And I think McCarr scoring shorthanded lifted that. Mm-hmm. Defensemen don't score shorthanded goals. Uh, forwards yeah. do on occasion. Defensemen, very rarely, unless your name was Bobby Orr and he had the puck all the time, even when his team was shorthanded. And of course, the McCarr or comparisons get made. And listen, uh, you know, McCarr, I hope, will have a much longer career than Bobby Orr. Uh, But I don't know that any defenseman will ever quite reach the heights, uh, the peak value of a Bobby Orr. But in spite of his dominance and the kinds of teams he played on in Boston, two cups. Right. Two cups. And Esposito was a dominant player. uh, The big bad Bruins were loaded with talent. Loaded. I could go on and on. I saw him often enough beat up on the Rangers both in the regular season and during the playoffs uh, across the uh, early 70s uh, to to know how good the Bruins were and the Rangers were good. But when you look at McCarr, McKinnon, and Renton, you're thinking of guys who in any era would have been dominant players. It Do- yes. doesn't matter. Yes. I mean, and they are cutting-edge players for the new – Brand but of none of them are play internationally.
0: Uh, undersized guys that that have a limited amount of overall skill. Any of those guys could have played in any era physically. Uh, there, there's no, you know, even a, a slower NHL that was more physical. They all would have held up. Oh, absolutely. In fact, and yeah. still would have been considered. and
1: still would, would have been considered. <laughs> Broad Street so, Bullies of era, of you're like, of course, and I, is I, this guy? Know, Hockey <laughs> players who who were you know 205, 210 used to be considered monsters, right? right. And that isn't. An true anymore.
0: McCarr, by the way, that was his first shorthanded goal of his career in the regular season. (laughs) Even for McCarr,
1: scored he shorthanded. Four shorthanded
0: points, but as you pointed out, barely past the halfway mark, the record for the abs for a defender in just shorthanded points is five. McCarr's one off from that. That was uh, Alexa Gusarov right back. Uh, in uh, in the, the Nordiques, Goose, yeah. who was
1: not offensive-minded. And that's a Nordiques no. record. That would and be that, all the way was, back to 92-93. 90 right.
0: uh, the actual Avs record would have been Craig Willannon. I, I think Gusharov was one of those guys, and,
1: a young player who's more offensive-minded.
0: Yes. As he got older, he became the proverbial
1: stay-at-home, steady defenseman. You could play him with a young Adam Foote, right. and Foote would be great uh, learning from Gusharov. And you could play him with an offensive-minded defenseman, and he'd stay home. And the be great. you could play him with
0: Ozolinch she'd be great. Yeah, you bring up Ozelin. You have historically you had uh, some very good offensive defensemen. When you're talking about uh, Gusarov and Ozelin, and you go to Rob to, Blake, to Blake, mm-hmm. and then you can go to even um, Tyson Berry, who that the record yes. ends up being broken for Cale uh, McCarr. I mean, yeah. that there has been a lot of talent going. On, on that defensive side of uh, the, the ice, even though when you're talking about the offensive playmaking and and uh, McCars brilliant at it, uh, Washington is not a great team, but they're not a bad team. And they were only no, one game no, under I mean, 500 on the l- road listen, going into last night. In the
1: division they're in, uh, the Metro, it, it, here are the point totals outside of the top three, Okay, from fourth to down to eighth, 51, 51, 50, 48, and then you drop to Columbus, Columbus. To 37. But let's say between fourth and seventh, you've got a three point difference among New Jersey, the Islanders, Washington, and Pittsburgh. There, to me, nothing to
0: differentiate.
1: Any one of those no, four no.
0: teams from the other. Not when you're talking about one point. Not, not at all. And don't look so, now. By the way, the Winnipeg Jets in the Western Conference, losers of two. Now they still have two now games they got, in hands. They got a point. Last they have, night. Yeah, yeah, they have two game in hands on on the Av, but they but 65, 65, 65, which is better than I thought the Avs would
1: be reeling at this them in point. Little by little, uh, having played 48 games. Now I, mean, I didn't think they'd be this close. Keep an
0: eye out for Edmonton, who by the way is now one. Well, mm-hmm. fourteen straight I mean, games—that's that's, kind of silly. Yikes! But um,
1: although, it, it tell you what—a slow start they got into uh, this year at the beginning of the
0: year. Yeah, they're still in third. They're still
1: fourteen, they're 14 points 14 out of first. Points out of first like with place. fourteen straight wins. With fourteen straight wins, they're still fourteen points behind Vancouver. Now, Vancouver has more points than anybody in the league right. at the present 69. time: 32, 11 and it's five. Nice. And they've got everything. They've got scoring. They're good defensively. Goaltending's been terrific this year. Uh, I think Vancouver's probably the best all around team in hockey, but when the Az play as they did last night, you know, they gave up a couple of goals, but they were late and the kind of garbage time goals. Oh, no, it was 4 0 after that. two. Right, yeah. Right. The game was well in hand. Uh, I the Avalanche play like that and they get Nashushkin back. I'm just saying they, it, 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 there aren't many teams right now who are doing better you've got two vancouver and boston now winnipeg has a better point percentage so we'll make it three but for anyone to suggest that the abs at the present time certainly maybe maybe not two or three weeks ago but right now aren't one of the best five teams in the nhl no
0: you haven't been paying it's
1: not paying attention
0: no they obviously have been they've looked uh they have been tremendous they've looked tremendous And they are getting healthier. Great news with Lekkonen and Byram being back as well. We'll have an opportunity to talk more about the avalanche with the Denver Gazette's Kyle Fredrickson, who will join us at the top of the hour. They're playing great hockey at the right time. They're getting healthier now. You can kind of see what the Avs have available to them, which is terrific because the trade deadline's coming up and you want to get a look at it. The coaching carousel in the NFL, however, (laughs) continues to spin And uh, you Uh, thought Bill Belichick was going to Atlanta after Uh, all those interviews? Not so fast. Not so fast. We'll explain what happened and what it might mean for the rest of the spots as the uh, musical chairs start to fill up next on My Life Sports. Sandy Cough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Two remaining head coaching gigs in the NFL. And although, boy, uh, there will be a secondary carousel of uh, coordinators getting shuffled around. That's happening uh, as we speak. Oh, as we we speak,
1: including old friend Vic Fangio, Fangio. hired by the Philadelphia Eagles as their new defensive coordinator today, um, seemed like uh, Uncle Vic had that one set up before he got resigned yeah. in Miami. Well, I
0: think Miami sort of let him do it. That seemed to be the impression. that He they, got they, resigned. Yeah, they yeah. sort of agreed to uh, let him move on. And, yeah. and now you see some of the hirings, of course, recently the Titans bring in uh, Brian Callahan of the – Bengals obviously when you look at what yep. the Bengals were able to do converting their offense from Joe Burrow to, to Jake Browning and still staying in the mix I I, that, he I coached that here hire remember yes, way he back in the did. day
1: uh, with Josh McDaniels uh, yep. he he was here and I think he was here when Peyton was here the uh, uh, for 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 a little while so uh, Peyton Manning obviously uh, has uh, high regard for Brian Callahan that's a that's a good hire uh, for the Tennessee Titans I'm not sure still why they felt they had to fire Mike Bravel, but they, they have a good one in Callahan, and of course, we you know about Jim Harbaugh right. uh, from yesterday, and uh, it will be a staff. It, he, I guess he's bringing along a couple of guys from Michigan as defensive coordinator and special teams yeah. coordinator, but the rest of the staff, they say, is going to be, be made up of some of these yeah. NFL coordinators who are being churned around Sharon right Moore now. is
0: expected to be the, uh, the man who follows Jim Harbaugh as the, uh, as the head coach at Michigan, the O.C. there. Now, he's been there for a while, and... I wish well, it well, luck because he was, he's probably he, about to be dealing who, with a whole who bunch of sanctions. Interim,
1: was he the interim head coach when Harbaugh sat out this year?
0: You know, I can't say if you me it. Well, yeah, Danny's. The I name. believe Danny's so. Danny's he yeah, was, I not, think. Yeah, I think And, that's and right.
1: everybody loved him. Players yeah. loved him. Uh, you know, he certainly seemed uh, temperamentally suited to the sure. part. <laughs> Very enthusiastic and yet deferential to Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, even as he was going undefeated for, what, half a dozen games?
0: Yeah. we'll see how he does with 15 fewer scholarships uh, after the NCAA true. is done with uh, them. But, yes, but, yes.
1: Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but he he deserves
0: the job Absolutely. because he's already done that right. job. Right, he's done the job and been successful at it. The Carolina Panthers, according to Adam Schefter, will hire a Tampa Bay Buccaneer offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. And Canales did a, a, a commendable job with bringing the Buccaneers back, despite the fact a team that nobody thought they were going to get as far as they did. And they came within uh, shouting distance of unseating the Lions and will be playing in the NFC Championship on Sunday. Well,
1: you're right, and I think this is a guy, and maybe he would have been hired with just the regular season resume from this year. But I think the playoffs kind of put you over the profile. top, right? And don't tell me these guys don't watch TV and they don't watch playoff games and they see broadcasters who the owners claim they don't never listen to, even if they're national guys. Mm-hmm. He said they don't listen to him. But when the national guys start to endorse Dave Canales as having done a terrific job with Baker Mayfield and uh, having worked with somebody named Russell Wilson, whatever happened to him, uh, along the line in Seattle, I mean, the coaching pedigree is there. And then people started talking about him, and he wasn't as visible during the regular season. I don't remember hearing that much about him during the playoffs, the two games against the Eagles and Detroit, he was getting the cutaway shots that basically certainly no one on the Tampa side was getting, he was getting more recognition and Mayfield played well. I think that helped Dave Canales, even in the playoffs, uh, Mahomes, uh, Mahomes, Mayfield continued to play well. And I think that helped Canales, uh, Interesting, though, that Eric B. Enemy is not a candidate for any of these jobs. Never candidate. never got interviewed for any of them.
0: I'm a I haven't heard his too. name mentioned, to you? No.
1: And in I'm connection I'm with any head coaching position. Quite surprised by that. And, and you assume um, he's out in Washington, that when they bring Ben Johnson in, they won't have much use for Eric B. Enemy. So it'll be interesting to see right. what
0: happens. And presumably, I mean, keep, keep this in mind, too, when you're talking about We talked about this about a a week or two ago. The ages of coaches continuing to go down. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is six days older than Sean Payton. They're both 60 years old. Yeah, They're they're separated by six days. But Ben Johnson, presuming he is hired, is 37 (laughs) years old. (laughs) Brian Callahan is 39 years old. Canales is 42 years old years right. old. And then the big news of the day when it comes to the uh, coaching carousel, Raheem Morris is 47 Who's years old. He's been a head old, coach before. And, but still yeah. only 47. Yeah. And Raheem Morris finds himself the head coach of the Falcons, right. the only team in which Bill Belichick had had a pair of interviews. And then all of a Kinda sudden...
1: fascinating. All of a sudden, in the last week, Bill Belichick disappeared from the radar screen. And the word out of Atlanta was they didn't want him. And I think it was complicated by the fact that Arthur Blank, the owner is a pretty loyal guy and Richie McKay, uh, the son of uh, the legendary coach, John McKay. He's very well regarded and has been for years, maybe even decades around the NFL as, as a lead executive and Arthur Blank didn't want to infringe on his power, his authority within the organization. And they also like uh, Fontenot, the GM they've got. Well, Belichick comes in, and Belichick's going to work under not just one guy, but two. And then you've got the owner. He never had that in New England or even in Cleveland. In Cleveland, Belichick had a relationship with Art Modell, which was good at the beginning and very bad at the end. But there there was no middleman, and that might not have been good for either Modell or Belichick. But in this case, I think it cost him uh, in Atlanta because I think there was some feeling within the organization that McKay and Fontenot were responsible for a lot of jobs. The people underneath them and they didn't want Belichick coming in because Belichick would have swept a lot of them out right. and brought in the Josh McDaniels of the world and other staff guys, maybe even a Scott Pioli. Mm-hmm. That's there wouldn't that's have my been room went. for all those people, all those egos. In one organization. And I think as time went on, people said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy in Cleveland wasn't great. This guy without Brady
0: hasn't the the last four
1: years has not been great. And, you know, he's going to come in and there's going to be a lot of turmoil and a lot of change. And he may say he'll work collaboratively with other people, but, that's never been his style, at least not with front office people uh, and owners, uh, really. I mean, his relationship with Kraft went sour uh over the last five, six years. Even while Brady was there, there was, there was tension between Belichick and Kraft over Brady. Right. Kraft loved Brady and Belichick thought Brady was declining, which wasn't quite the case, as it turned out. Uh but that, that's the interesting thing, that Belichick and Vrabel may have to take 2024 off.
0: And, and it, it's At kind of fascinating as, because as, as in coaches. Vrabel's case, it it barely feels as if he did anything to even deserve it. Right. Which is just bizarre. Right.
1: But again, for how old is Vrabel?
0: I, not old. I'd have to look. He's not old, yeah. Not
1: old. But there's kind of... He didn't coach with Belichick, so he's not part of the Belichick coaching right. tree. Played he for played him. for Belichick. And there's a
0: yeah, Mike Vrabel's so only 48, so a year older than so, uh, Yeah. Still and, and considered a young I, coach. I,
1: I, I am a little surprised. I'm more, to be honest, I'm more surprised that Vrabel hasn't found a job yet than I am that Belichick hasn't found a job yet. Because you keep hearing about Vrabel getting interviews. Well, right. some of the interviews are scheduled uh, <laughs> beyond today. But for, for jobs that have already been filled. Yes. Uh, and so so the list of teams interested, uh, Seattle maybe, Washington almost certainly not. Neither Seattle nor Washington would have any interest in Belichick. So I, I'm a little surprised that Rabel hasn't been hired, but not as much with Belichick, actually. Belichick only interviewed with one team, and that was Atlanta. It, it and, is. And it went cold after... The, the two interviews. It really I mean, did. the
0: last year that Tom Brady, and I'm not trying to pile on Bill Belichick, I think that the record speaks for itself, but Tom Brady took over as a starter in 2001, his second year in the league. Uh, he he right. finished as the New England starter in 29, after the 2019, 2019 season. But here's Bill Belichick's record in the 10 years he's coached without Tom Brady. And will start back in 91, 6-10 and 10 with Cleveland, Seven and nine with Cleveland. Seven and nine with Cleveland, and then eleven and five with Cleveland, and then dropping to five and eleven, and they moved on. Yeah, now, and I argue that mulligan. record with Cleveland wasn't really all that bad, given I, the circumstances. No. And,
1: and especially speaking of circumstances, five and eleven in nineteen ninety five. Well, the, the mid season they were going fine, and then Modell announced that the team was moving. It's moving, and Modell somehow got Belichick to take. Most of the heat at the time, although to this day uh, in Cleveland people would revile Modell more than they would Belichick. But at the time, Belichick was not good with the media. <laughs> at that time, he has learned in his own way how to handle the media. But in Cleveland, he he was not able to win over fans. And then Modell kind of insinuated, well, we're moving because the team stinks, and the team stinks because the coach isn't any
0: good. Yeah. But in 10 years without Tom Brady as his primary starter, Bill Welchek, for better or for worse, has two winning seasons. In 10.
1: Yeah. It, well, as they say, that's a true fact.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a <laughs> true fact. It just sort of is. And it is what it is, right? I mean, that's, that's where it stands. Uh, what you want to make of it right. is open to debate, but...
1: Facts are facts.
0: Yeah. Well, and what it does is I think it provides, as you suggested, a little bit of cover for Atlanta to decide that maybe in his 70s, we don't want to totally commit to a coach who historically hasn't had top-tier success without one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league. But whether it's
1: Raheem Morris or Bill Belichick, if they don't find a quarterback and that Will fall on the likes of McKay and Fontenot as much as Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris not going to win, right. even though the rest of the team is pretty
0: good. Yes, and and, and that's the uh, that's the challenge. There is, is again, you're in the quarterback business, right?
1: Well, I, and I might add,
0: you're or Sean quarterback be, business. If
1: you don't have a quarterback, doesn't matter. I don't care who you are, young, old. Super Bowl winner, aspiring to be a Super Bowl winner. Doesn't matter if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a shot. Brian Billick spoke with us days ago and made that very point emphatically.
0: Well, to that end, let's take a look at the Denver Broncos. They pick 12th. There are opportunities to pick players of, of impact at other positions, and the Broncos can do the regular old best available player, you know, where they're going to be at 12. But are they out of options? And that's the question that's interesting. Do the Broncos have the luxury of picking any other position but quarterback with their top pick? We will discuss, want to get your feedback on that as well. The call and text number is 303-831-1340. Curious what you think. Are you okay with anything but a quarterback with the Broncos first pick? No matter where it falls, 12 or otherwise, we'll break it down next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Broncos at the moment pick 12th overall in the draft. They do not have a second round selection. So when you're talking about the quarterbacks they have access to, it will not be Jada Daniels. It will not be Drake May. It will not be Caleb Williams. Would they have access to J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix in whatever order you'd like? Yes, more than likely all three of them will be there at 12th. Oh,
1: well, sure. Will they but,
0: be worthy of the 12th pick? I don't know. And if you Teams had a second-round pick, you could probably I think figure you could, out a way to yep. get
1: the guy out of those three
0: yes. that you wanted. late in the first or early in the second. Exactly. But they don't because but they have they Sean Payton. they don't have a second
1: because they traded it in part for Sean Payton. They traded more than a second. More than the second, right. Uh, but that's one of the picks they traded for Sean Payton. So Sean Payton is hurt by the trade the Broncos made for Sean Payton because if they don't get a quarterback in a first round, I I know they did it last year, but I don't see any way they can get into the second round And have any guarantee of getting any one of those three guys?
0: No, because...
1: Because I think all three will go in the second round. I do, too. Not because they all have second-round grades, but because even in the second-round teams will still be desperate for quarterbacks, and they will look at the national championship quarterback, McCarthy. They will look at the other quarterback in the national championship game, Penix, who wasn't good in the national championship game, who was great all year leading up to the national championship game. And, and then you have Bo Nix, who didn't look like a prospect at all during his years at Auburn. Right. But then goes to Oregon, and, you know, they're playing Nike ball up in Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, and the offense is good. Dan Lanning, but say again, what you will,
0: is a terrific offensive coach. So was Justin Herbert. You know, he was playing Nike ball there, too. Wasn't yep. under Lanning, but the, the same, same thing. Sure. So, sure. Uh, yeah, it's. It's kind of an interesting sure. it is scenario interesting. here. And it and I, I think you're right because quarterback quarterback desperate is the term. That's the right term. It's not quarterback needy. It's quarterback desperate. And that's exactly what the NFL has become. And I think in the second round, when you have guys that are that have been seen recently on the top stage in the championship game. They're saleable to your fan base, even if they don't necessarily pan out. Your fan base will give you a little bit of a, a grace and a little bit of a honeymoon period with them. Uh, with with Knicks, I think there's enough stats and there's enough that you can you can find and decide that's going to be enough. They may not only not only go in the second, but they may go early, and they may very well even go late in the first. And the Broncos don't have the ability to do I, that. I think one of them. I think I
1: don't know which one. Yeah, one of them, go one, th- yeah, one but of them is going to go late I think one the first. of them might go late first. Now I know none of the mock drafters have. At this point, anyway, any of those three quarterbacks going in the first round. They they have Mel Kiper the other day came out with his first mock and he had Williams and Daniels and right uh, May going one, two, and three overall, and then no other quarterback being selected in the first round. But you I'm you think not about so sure those teams
0: at the bottom of the first round that don't need quarterbacks. Right. Let's say Kansas City, yeah, or San Francisco, Buffalo. Or Houston, yep. Or
1: well, th- this is Green why
0: Bay, uh, those are the teams that that might be willing to uh, make a deal to scoot back a little. You know bit. what? Th- this is why uh, Slowick
1: could be an interesting choice. The offensive coordinator in Houston, who yes. coached C.J. Stroud, and C.J. Stroud benefited during the season from Slowick's coaching. Slowick now benefits from having coach C.J. Stroud right. in terms of a head coaching position, and I, I'm not guaranteeing that he would get one of the two remaining jobs, but he has a shot at it. And uh, he he in a place like Seattle, where they're probably quarterback hunting a bit. I would think maybe not in the first round, but maybe they're quarterback hunting. Uh, bringing Slowick in and taking any one of those three guys. After the work he did with Stroud, now those three guys might not be as skilled as Stroud, right. but you, you have a you have remember by the way Sloic, a preference for offensive coordinators
0: right. who've worked with young quarterbacks and been successful. Slovak had two interviews with the Falcons, one yep, of only four did. candidates did. that did, including Morris and Belichick, and right. so uh, obviously there's there's some uh, feelers out yeah. there as well. Well, there's he's the a quarterback of whisper Bill Carroll still hovering up there and maybe not being super pleased about being in his new role yeah and the new role um in Albania
1: did a good job <laughs> of explaining it uh i i sort of understand it but nebulous is the right word i i'm not sure how that's going to translate because you're around the players, but you're really not coaching the players. Some of the same players you've been coaching sort of for like a long, long time. Leader, you know, what? What? And I, I don't mean to minimize his skill at motivation. No, but I, if I were a head coach, I'd feel very comfortable with, very uncomfortable with his being around the players that much. So the Seattle thing is kind of up in the air. Uh, Washington, listen, Adam Peters is going to hire a good coach. And it seems like Adam Peters is in love with Ben Johnson.
0: Ben Johnson appears to be the fit, but we will see. I, it, for but the, the Broncos, Broncos though, have I, to get a quarterback. And that's that's the, the bottom line. And I don't wherever care if they they're pick, if their first they pick, pick is twelve. Them. I've made this argument before. Right. I, I I understand that twelve would be a reach for Knicks or Penix or McCarthy. It would be a absolutely. It would be reach.
1: tremendous pressure on them at, yeah, because they'd have to
0: play right away. At the same time, if I'm the Broncos, if I don't have a trade down that I like, I do it anyway. And and I'm curious to, to find out what what listeners think and what fans think because I I have a difficult time envisioning, even though there are some really good players going to be available at twelve. Some really good players available right. at twelve. I
1: mean, you can get but you can probably get the Alabama cornerback to play with Patrick. You might be able Chetan, to get McKinstry, another Alabama cornerback. Exactly. Or, or Arnold. They're, yeah, they're or both Arnold. good. Alabama in the secondary this year was you may be in. able to get
0: a Fashanu, the terrific tackle out of Penn State, may be sitting there. Uh, maybe yes, even Brock Powers, the, the tight end, I suspect will yep. go higher, but it's possible. Well, he'll go higher. He'll go top 10. But I mean, you're maybe looking at a, a lot of talented guys that could help a team that had a quarterback. But here's the reality: until you have a quarterback, it doesn't, it doesn't make it. the rest, and literally, I'm not even uh-huh. joking, uh, except for maybe offensive line, the rest of your positions are. Sp- spinning rims on a Pinto.
1: Yeah. Your car's not going anywhere. uh, That that I cite many times, and I will continue to protect this person's identity, but a high-ranking Bronco official in 2016, after the Broncos had spent all that money to sign Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, said it's like having two astronauts without a space program. And that's what we're talking about. If you don't have a quarterback, you can have wonderful wide receivers, productive wide receivers, and... They essentially are astronauts without a space program.
0: Yeah, there's not much they can really do. And that's, that's I think, the biggest challenge for this Broncos team. And uh, like I said, I want to know what you think. 303 831 40. Will you be okay with any selection by the Denver Broncos, whether it's the first or second round, that is their first overall draft pick that is not a quarterback. And I think they have found themselves in a spot that they've, they're they painted into a corner. And um, Well, you know who's painted himself into a corner?
1: Sean Payton. Correct. By being the self-proclaimed quarterback guru, and I mean, I'm not saying he's ever come out and said, I'm a quarterback guru, but he obviously thinks his judgment regarding Russell Wilson, at least vis-a-vis Jared Stidham, right. was gold on standard money, must judgment, be. Right. right? And so he's making the final choice on a quarterback. I don't care what the Broncos say about George Payton running the draft. We all know that's bunk. It wasn't true last year. No. And it's certainly not true this year. So the minute they draft a quarterback, I'll tell you, the quarterback's on the clock. Sure. Yes. But Sean Payton's then on the clock. You're yeah. you're the guy who y- you say um, can develop young quarterbacks you just haven't had the chance to do it. All right, here's your chance. Well, Go guru. The guru yeah. better
0: start guruing. The interesting thing about that is I think there is a very good chance because uh, our friend Aaron Anderson, and he'll, he'll probably join us next week, suggested immediately after the season, he was right. We were mistaken that George Payton would be retained and George Payton would be retained. And Aaron's suggestion was George Payton would be retained because he allows another year for Sean Payton to not have to be accountable. And this may he be was an, right on the money, right on the money. And, as the, it turns and here's how this may go folks, because there aren't any jaw dropping quarterback prospects at 12. You can let George Payton do George Payton things and pick the best player available. And that can be whatever. And then Sean Payton for another year can go, well, you know, we, we were limited on the salary cap space yeah. because we had to move on from Russell Wilson. I didn't trade for Russell Wilson. George, right. George Payton traded right. for Russell Wilson. I He's didn't a sign convenient a, scapegoat. Yeah, I didn't sign Russell Wilson. Our our owners signed Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, so I had to yeah. clean up the mess. So sorry we didn't no. have a quarterback this year, which is why I suggested immediately after the year, folks, do not be surprised if the Denver Broncos quarterback battle comes down to Jared Stidham versus Jameis Winston. <laughs> I, 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 st- I still stand behind yeah. that. Because if you're Sean Payton, for the exact point you made, Sandy, I think, and I think you'll agree with me, Sean Payton knew full well this wasn't ever a playoff team. Even when he said he'd be pissed if they weren't a playoff team, he knew they weren't. Well, We were saying that, yeah, in He the knew. Spring. He knew the roster was. Forget good about up. summer. We, if were we knew that in it. Spring, and look, you, say whatever you want about Sean knew. Payton. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. We're not. He knows so that. Know, when he sees he, bad, he knew. So. He probably also knows that even if you select Bo Nix or Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy, you know what they're not next year? A playoff playoff team again. And then if the clock has started on Sean Payton because he has his quarterback, well, you know, the best way around that, just don't pick a quarterback. Sign one of the guys that you're familiar with that knows your thing. Kick the can down the road. You can blame George Payton for that. He's gone after next year. Two years not the playoffs. Neither of those years, Sean Payton's fault. Then maybe you can go get a quarterback. I hope fancy through that.
1: If that is the scenario that we'll develops. See,
0: but I, I, I here's the thing. I think they will if the Broncos don't pick one. I think the Broncos' first draft pick, whether it's the middle of it, whether it's 12th, whether they trade down and it's in the first, whether they trade down it's in the fifth, it's in the second. And, and I will go as far to say if their first overall pick is not Knicks, Penix, or McCarthy people will start seeing through it. The, Denver's, the Denver Broncos quarterback, if it's not one of those three guys, then what I just explained to you, that's what's happening, folks. Yeah. And I do think that Broncos fans will see it. And we're going to find out about a, a lot about Sean Payton in that offseason because he is really the guy that runs it. Uh, Sean Keeler in the Denver Post, and we've, we've had uh, uh, Sean on before. We'll have to do it again. Today in his great story today about some of that, I'll give you the line. Lord help, coach slash secret GM slash mortgage pitchman Sean Payton, <laughs> if he took the best player available, and then had the temerity to spin it as such, while quarterbacks Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, or J.J. McCarthy happened to still be on the table. That's and good line uh, about the mortgage pitch. Yeah, but I mean, secret GM is part of it too. So you know, is he funny in the spot?
1: I, I, I'm asking I that even, rhetorically. I haven't even watched it because I'm I've seen probably I've not. seen the spots. So.
0: Yeah, well I,
1: I didn't find him. He's very excited funny. to be
0: on hard knocks to show off that sense well, of humor, which he said out flat out loud. So we'll I'm see. I'm a funny guy. But uh but Keeler is a funny guy because his very next line said the Broncos haven't had a first round pick since twenty twenty one. They need help everywhere. The talent on this roster stacks up with the two deep on the Lions, the way I stack up with Jason Momoa in a swimsuit contest. Right about right. So, I mean, that's where the Broncos are. So, what will they do? What do you want them to do? We want to get your feedback on that too. 303-831-1340 or you can just, you know, let us know about your level of awe with Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche who just unloaded on the Washington Capitals last night. Uh, Where to even begin The terrific night by Nathan McKinnon, the all-time positioning among the franchise leaders for Kale McCarr, the ascent of Miko Rantanen, the fact that, oh, Alexander Georgiev had a save percentage of 92% last night. Oh, and Lekkanen and Byron came back. uh, uh, More than a couple things to discuss. Fortunately, we'll have Kyle Frederickson, the Denver Gazette to join us and do a lot of that with us next on My Life Sports.